Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to come into your house with our brothers and our sisters, our church family, to spend time in your presence and to receive your word. And I pray as the word comes this morning, that Lord, you will speak through me and cause our hearts to be ready to receive this word. We give you thanks and we give you praise and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to say good morning, everyone. Beatrice, lovely to see you. And everyone else, lovely to see you all this morning. I want to share a word that um, I'm finishing off um, from a few weeks back. It's entitled, Be Encouraged. And I shared this word probably about four weeks ago or so. Um, and I want to conclude that word today. But before I even go into that word, I just want to really follow up on um, some of the things that Nana mentioned this morning, um, especially about when we went to the outreach yesterday and it's a reminder really for all of us to really appreciate what we have you know sometimes there's such a focus on things that we don't have it's like we're, we're always aspiring and we want this because we haven't got it so far so at times you, rather than appreciating what God has given to you you're looking at other things but let's really appreciate and thank God for what God has given to you the things that are currently in your hands right now appreciate thank God let the Lord know that you are giving, you are grateful for the things that you have in your hands at this current time. Because having an attitude of appreciation and thanksgiving is, is so important. I'm telling you, it is so important. There are many things and stories in the Bible where people were more focused on what they didn't have. They were more focused on the things that they were aspiring for, but they forgot about what God had given to them. Rather than focusing on what, what God has given to them, they were looking at other things. And it meant that the joy and the happiness that God had for them in the things that they had, they were missing out on. Because they're thinking, oh, my joy comes from things that I'm aspiring for. But appreciate what you have. Let me tell you. Thank the Lord for the things that you have in your life right now. Seriously. The song that says, you know, count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. God has blessed you in so many ways. Don't let the enemy cause you to be thinking, no, 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 these are the things I need to be thanking God for. When I get them, that's when I'll thank God for. You don't have to be like that. Let's appreciate what we have right now. Amen? Amen. Okay. So be encouraged. This is the title of my word. I'm just going to very quickly, hopefully, recap and go over the things that I shared um, on this word before. Now, just a reminder... The, the, the vision of um, our ministry, this church, is being ready for the Lord's return. One thing that is inevitable about the life that we live in now is that, number one, you will die. Number two, you will be judged by God. And number three is that whether it's in our lifetime or after we pass, Jesus is coming back. He's returning. And our vision is that the Lord wants us to be ready for when he returns. You know, we had half-night prayer on, um, on Friday. Uh, and uh, when um, Jean-Marc was um, uh, doing his prayer slot, he focused on the scripture about the um, five or the ten uh, virgins. Five of them were foolish. They were foolish because they didn't prepare when the bride, uh, groom, was coming, which is Jesus. And the five of them were wise because they did things to prepare for the, uh, for in advance for Jesus' return, the bridegroom's return. And we all have a, an opportunity right now whilst we're breathing and living to ensure that whatever we're doing, 
that is, is in line with us being ready for when he returns. Because the Bible says he's coming like a thief in the night. Now, I, don't know about, I don't know if anybody has been burgled before. It's not a nice question, but has anyone been burgled? Has anyone's stuff been taken from them before? Okay. Did they come at a time when you knew they were coming? E exactly. So the phrase, a thief in the night, means that during the night time, you're sleeping, aren't you? So when a thief comes, they come at a time where you're vulnerable, where you're, you're relaxed, you're just doing your, your, your sleeping or whatever. And before you know it, you wake up and whatever you had there is gone. That is how the Lord's return is going to be. The Bible says that people will be relaxing. They'll be outside cleaning their car. They'll be on their phone talking to their friend, on Instagram, sending messages, doing normal things that everybody does on a day-to-day. -day. Having your coffee in the morning, having breakfast with your friends, normal things. And then all of a sudden, blam, the rapture's taking place. The person that you're sending messages to, that person may be saved. All of a sudden, they haven't responded. Why? Because they've gone. Somebody else you're having coffee with, you, two of you in a cafe, that person maybe they're gone because they're with the Lord. Remember, I remember I mentioned about the film um, Left Behind, which is, which is about the rapture where Jesus comes. And part of the film, interestingly, when it took place, the rapture took place, obviously those that were saved, they went. Everybody else, they were left behind, which is the name of the film. And I remember the part of the film was that this um, girl, her mom was always telling her about being saved, etc. The mom, obviously, when the rapture took place, the mom left. The girl was left behind. So it was chaos because, obviously, you know, people had disappeared and all that kind of stuff. And then when this girl was walking around trying to make sense of what was taking place, she went to the church that she used to go to with her mom when she was younger. And when she went into the church, who did she see? The pastor. So then she said... Mm, I think the rapture's taking place, but if that's the case, Pastor, why are you still here? The pastor said, yeah, yeah I know. He said, mm. I said, I was sharing the word, but uh, I wasn't living by it. And see, this is the thing, and this is why sometimes it's so easy, not being funny, it's so easy to stand behind here and share the word. Not being funny, anybody can come and share something that sounds nice. It's appealing, it touches you, yeah, you're inspired, blah, blah, blah. It, that's the easy part. Preparing and sharing a word. At times, it may seem, hey, you guys, it's not, it's not, not me funny, Lord, and you know my, my heart. It's not that difficult sharing a word. It's not. But when it comes to living what the word of God says, and especially living what you are sharing, that's a different thing altogether. I'm telling you. Living what you, sh what you preach, even those of us that have children, or th even if you don't have children, those of you that have younger uh, uh, people that you're uh, speaking into, or maybe at work, you're a boss and you're, you're sharing with um, your, your, your team. You're telling them this is how you should be. But what are you doing yourself? Sometimes my uh, children, they tell us, mom, dad, you're, you're, you say do this, but what, what are you doing? And sometimes like, yeah, true, actually. I'm saying it, but I'm not doing it myself. Because to live what the word of God is saying, that how we should live, it's not by our own power, as the Bible says. It's not by your own might, but it's only by the spirit of God. And if you want to be ready for when the Lord returns, again, it's not by your own power. Because try and see where it will get you. You'll be putting, you know, sometimes we do think naturally, thinking it's going to get us ready. My wife is not even here. I don't know where she is. She has all these reminders on her phone. Oh, yeah, she's teaching. So thank you. I should have remembered that. because anyway. 
she puts these reminders in her phone. Every five seconds, her phone is going off, reminding her about this, that, the other. The children, it does their head in because her phone is so loud. She'll have a reminder to do this, reminder to do that, so that it's helping her to, to prepare. Those things are good. They have their place. But when it comes to preparing for the Lord's return, every single day we have to make sure that wh whatever we're doing, that it's in line with God's will. It's in, it's in total connection with the things that God wants us to do. So my encouragement to you this morning is to make sure that we are ready for the Lord's return. And the only way that you can be ready for the Lord's return is by being in constant relationship with our Lord. When the Lord speaks, we obey. God speaks to us in different ways. Sometimes he can give you a prompt in your heart just to remind you about something. Whatever it is, you better make sure you do it. Because if you don't do it and if you delay, you, you end up not doing that particular thing. Involving him in all that you're doing is key. I say this to my children all the time with your studies. Those of you, you you've got exams. I know you've got an exam from tomorrow. Nanaya uh, and the rest, you've got your um, uh, A-levels. And the rest of you, you have end-of-year exams. It's a time, not being funny, that is, you know, it's, it's quite stressful. Older, those of us who are older, we've been there, so we, we know when it comes to exams, especially the, the kind of the landmark exam, the GCSEs, A-levels, etc. There's a pressure when it comes to preparing for those exams. But see, God doesn't want you to do those things by yourself. He wants you to involve him, bring him in. That's what he wants you to do. Not to be isolating and doing it by yourself. Lord, no, no, I need this. I've, I've only got so much time. Lord, I can't be bothered to pray. I'm not going to church this week, etc. Now, if you do that, how are you involving the Lord in what you are doing? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you may ha you know, you have an exam, maybe, let's say, you know, um, you have an exam first thing tomorrow morning, so therefore, you're thinking in your mind, no, I'm not going to come to church because I want to study, etc. That's between you and God. But my question to you is, involve the Lord in what you are doing. I know I'm focusing on young people. That goes for all of us. Involve him. Don't let the Lord be an outsider in what you are doing because sometimes that's how he is. He's trying to get your attention. I'm here. I exist. I'm here. But meanwhile, we're just doing our thing. And when we remember, oh, yeah, Lord, yeah. Lord, yeah, can you, etc. Involve you, you Involve him in a tiny bit. And then when you involve him, then you put him aside again and you carry on. Let's not be like that. Involve the Lord in everything that you are doing so that you are ready for his return. Amen? So, yeah, just, let me just recap on some of the things that I was saying about uh, this word I was sharing on. Now, we know in life that there are so many things, unfortunately, that are unexpected that can come that can cause us to entertain fear or to be anxious, to be worried, etc., and as long as we're living in this world, and I'm not going to be funny, these things are going to be happening. There are going to be unexpected things that will come our way that are not nice. But the Lord in any situation gives us the grace to overcome each situation that we face. There's a scripture in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. And I'll quickly read it. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. Faith was founded on 
the rock. Say the rock. That rock is Jesus. The Bible says that the rains came, the winds blew, but it didn't fall because it was founded on the rock. That is Jesus. It continues, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and built on that house and it fell. And great was its fall. Unfortunately, there are things that some of us are doing that Jesus is not the foundation. And the Bible says that when the pressure comes on those things, not only will those things fall, but the fall will be great. It will be a fall that will be, <laughs> that, that be life-changing because the foundation was not in Jesus. May that never be our portion in Jesus' name. As we make sure that Jesus is our foundation, that we're not just giving lip service to him and saying, yeah, Lord, come and be involved. But then how we live our lives is contrary to what we are saying. But actually, we are deliberately involving God in what we are doing. That he is the foundation. Because there are going to be challenges that we face. Some of we're, f some of we're facing different challenges right now. But as we involve him, the winds will come, they will blow. The rain will come, they will knock and cause us to feel uncomfortable. But the Bible says, because Jesus, the rock, acts as our salvation, when those things come, we stand firm. We stand firm because our foundation is in Jesus. May your foundation be in Jesus in all that you do. Amen? I went on to say that uh, I was listening to a, a man of God, um, and, and it linked to this word, and he was saying some things about... Um, we mentioned two things, two, two important things that relate to the way that we as Christians struggle or are discouraged in certain things. The first thing is said is that unanswered prayer. When we pray and we spend time in prayer, we invest time, we go to prayer meetings, we read the word, we speak the word, we do things in line with what the word says, but those prayers are not answered. That's one of the ways that the enemy discourages us. And I'm saying unanswered in inverted commas because, remember, God works in timing. He doesn't operate by time, but he does things in his own time. So the unanswered prayer that I'm saying may not necessarily be unanswered. It just means that God will answer it in his time and in, in his way. But unanswered prayer is one of the ways that we are discouraged because in our minds, we pray a prayer and we want it to be done by a certain period of time. And if that time has passed, we become discouraged. It doesn't mean that God hasn't answered the prayer. It doesn't mean that God will not answer the prayer. It just means that that time has passed. However God wants to respond to the prayer that you prayed is down to God. Remember that. But we become discouraged because God has not responded in the way that we believe that he should respond in that time. So unanswered prayer is one of the ways that we become discouraged in our Christian walk. The second way he mentioned about how we become discouraged is through unfruitfulness. This is where we are not seeing things in our life that we would expect it to have seen by a certain period of time. So, for example, you may have been maybe at a certain age, you thought that you would have certain things, certain exams or studies that you were doing that you would have passed them by now, etc. That's just an example. But those things that you would expected or you believe that should have happened have not happened, and you become discouraged. These are one of the two ways that the enemy attacks. And he went on to explain further that the reason behind why the enemy attacks these two areas, number one, 
is because he wants to attack your confidence in God and in his word. If he can attack the way that you demonstrate confidence in God's word, it will influence how you know God. Just go back to the book of Genesis. The Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were there. God gave them clear instructions. Enjoy everything. This is, this is like your place. Enjoy it. The only thing that you shouldn't do is eat from that tree. Everything else, enjoy. What did the enemy come and do? Rather than them focusing on all the things they had to enjoy, the devil came and told them about the one thing that the Lord said that they shouldn't focus on. That was their focus. They forgot about everything else. And this is what I said at the beginning. What do we do? We focus on all the things that we don't have. Rather than, Lord, look, you've given to me all of this. Father, I'm so, I'm so grateful that all of these things you've given to me. Rather than that being our focus, our focus is on, uh, see, so-and-so passed their exam last week. I didn't pass. So what, what's going to happen with me? Or so-and-so has these things. I've not got them yet. I've been waiting how many years to get X, Y, Z, and it hasn't come. That's your focus. Rather than enjoying what God has given to you. And that's what Adam and Eve did. And we know what happened. The devil came, whispered in his ear. I know God said this, but that tree, the tree that he said you shouldn't eat from, he doesn't want you to be like him. So go and eat from that tree. See what happened, because God wants to stop you from being blessed. And we know what happened after that. He attacks your confidence. And confidence and integrity, these are huge factors that relate that that link to how you relate to people and also how you relate to God. If you have no confidence in God, not being funny, you will just come to church for the sake of coming to church, like most people do. When it's Christmas, they come. Easter, they come. Somebody has passed away, they come. That's it. There's no connection, no lifestyle. They just come on those, those religious reasons because their confidence in God has disappeared. You know, yesterday I was speaking to somebody um, during the outreach, and they mentioned that they had an experience when they were younger um, in the church that they went to that has scarred their whole outlook on church and God, etc. And because of that experience now, you know, the interest in anything to do with God has just gone to the wayside. And again, this is how the enemy works. You may have one experience about something, and sometimes we do this. You know, sometimes we may go into a shop. This is not the best example. But you may go into a, a, a shop, a chain, let's say you go into, a, I don't know, McDonald's or so. And someone there, a member of staff, let's say they're just rude to you in whatever way. Because they're rude to you, some people now, they never go to any McDonald's again because that one person was rude to them. So they've associated that one person, what they did, and it's made them make a decision that no longer would they go into any more McDonald's. So when they're hungry now and they see a McDonald's, they just bypass it and they go to whichever chain instead because of that one experience. And we sometimes do the same. And this gentleman did the same when it came to God because of the experience that he faced when he was, I don't know how old he was, but that just scarred his whole kind of intention and his relationship with, with, with God to the, to the point now that there was no interest. So he attacks your integrity in God. The second thing that this guy mentioned as to why the enemy attacks or how he attacks is that he wants, the enemy also wants to introduce uh, a, a spirit of fear 
and he wants to establish that sphere within your life. Fear is a very, it's something that the enemy is very strategic in how he operates and attacks us. There are many elements of fear as we know. The fear of the unknown. Fear of responsibility. Fear of the future. Fear of man. The list goes on. There are so many elements of fear. And once the enemy comes in and brings an element of fear in your life, he will influence everything that you do because of fear. Because of fear, you will make a certain decision. Because of fear, you, will make, you won't make a, any decision. Because of fear, you will choose to do something. Because of fear, you will choose to speak to a particular person. It will influence everything you do because fear is at the very center of it. And that's what the enemy wants to do. See, the number one way to address this, and I know that the enemy has been, has been moving on different ones in, in, with regards to fear. And the number one way to address fear is by feeding on God's word because it produces faith. Faith is what dispels fear. Anytime there's an element of fear in our lives, turn to faith. It's like this. Faith is like, it's like, it's like light. Fear is darkness. For example, if, if, if it was dark right now, obviously the lights were not working. If it's dark, what do you do? You turn the light on. Faith is like turning that light on. Because where there's fear, as soon as you turn the light on, what happens? The darkness disappears. The fear disappears. As soon as you apply faith to any situation, fear has no choice but to go. It has to. In the same way when you turn on the light, darkness disappears. In exactly the same way, fear disappears because faith is there. And I'm saying this very deliberately because for some of us, we've been living with fear as though it's like it's a passenger in our car. Fear is almost as though it's like, yes, it's a companion that we have that we, it just sits there and we just allow fear to just live with us, to ride with us because it's always been there. But God is saying to us this morning, fear does not have to be your companion anymore because as you apply faith, fear has to disappear. Fear has to be now be told to get out of your car. When you're driving along the, the, the road of life and fear has been just been sitting there whispering, talking with you and you'll be liaising with fear every time you're sitting there yeah, and fear will be telling you, you'll be, you'll be responding, yeah, that's true, that's true. You'll be just liaising, talking, etc. But God is saying to you, kick fear out of your car from today by faith. It's not by your own power or might or, or, or anything else, but only by faith, by the Spirit of God. And as God increases your faith in him and in nothing else, fear has no choice but to get out of your life. This is a message for many of us because we have allowed fear to be our companion. Whether we like it or not, it is true. There are elements of our lives where we haven't, maybe we don't speak to people about it, but you know it's there. Where there are elements whereby, because of fear, you're not doing something. This is why I love when I hear different ones like uh, uh, Yvonne and uh, uh, Marcy and different ones. Um, where you, like, you're doing courses that you maybe you wouldn't have done before. I'm sure fear had stopped you from doing it years back. But then you decided to do it. What did you do? You kicked faith, uh, fear out of your car. That's what you did. Because fear, I'm sure, was telling you, oh, you can't do it. Look at your age. You, you can't do this course now. But by choosing to do it, what did you do? You told fear, get out. Come out. Because you applied faith. 
And for many of us, we need to apply the same thing. Fear has been sitting there. But as you apply faith, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to allow us ourselves to hear the word of God, to increase our faith so that fear can come out of our car. Amen? So, well, I'm still recapping and time is gone. Apologies. So I spoke about um, some characters in the Bible that encouraged us about um, how we respond to life's challenges. And I mentioned about the prophet Elijah. James chapter 5.17 says, Elijah was a human as we are. And the reason why the Bible is saying that, that Elijah is a human is because of the things that Elijah achieved whilst he was alive. He was known as a prophet of signs and wonders, miracles. This man of God did so many things that were amazing. Hence why people were like, is he, this guy really a human being? But he was, just like us. He was tired at times, just like us. At times, I, he wanted to swear at people, just like us. He wanted to slap somebody because they were being rude, just like us. All of the things that we have our struggles with, Elijah went through the same thing. He was a human being just like us, but he had his challenges. He achieved so much, but he had his challenges. The Bible says that he went through a famous victory. The Bible talks about in, um, I think it's in 1 Kings 18 or so, Elijah had a major victory. There were false prophets that had come and they were talking all kinds of blasphemy against God. The Bible said there were around 800 or so, each of them talking all types of rubbish against God. Bible said that Elijah came, addressed each of these prophets, and destroyed them all in the name of the Lord. He didn't come and just do it because he felt like it. The Holy Spirit led him to destroy all of these prophets. This was a major victory. The Bible, if you read the scripture in, in 1 Kings, I think it's 18, the Spirit of God came down, the fire of God came down and consumed them. It was if you if 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 you were able to to see this type of it was a spectacular victory it was a, it was an amazing victory, but on the back end of this victory the Bible says was that Elijah began to entertain fear because he had an enemy called Jezebel and this is where you hear about Jezebel Jezebel spirit etc. This was that it was in the name of this particular woman whose name was Jezebel but this woman was an evil woman. The woman made up her mind that because Elijah had killed all these prophets, these prophets that the, the woman herself was following to some extent. She now made up her mind that she wanted to kill Elijah. Elijah caught wind of this, and because he heard that this woman was trying to kill him, the Bible says that he became depressed to the point where he wanted to take his own life. He said, Lord, take my life. I've had enough. He didn't want to take his own life, but he wanted, he wanted to die, basically. And this is how the enemy works. Fear came in through somebody wanted to attack him. The same person that God used to destroy 850 prophets. Just one person that he heard wanted to come and uh, kill him. He became fearful to the point where he said, Lord, you know, I can't take this anymore. Take my life. That is a lesson for us because this is a man, as I said, who, had, who demonstrated the power of God. But because of time, I can't read through the whole scripture. But God responded to Elijah's situation. He responded, number one, by sending angels to minister to him, to encourage him. He responded, secondly, by speaking to Elijah. 
and encouraging him through his word in the same way that as we read God's word, we receive encouragement. Sometimes you could be going through something and you open up the Bible and the Bible, you just read a scripture that speaks right into your situation. That is the way that God speaks to us. And that is what he did with Elijah. And then finally, he brought a man to minister to him, Elisha. And this is how God works with us. That whatever we're facing, God will bring everything that we need. If he needs to bring the angel to encourage you because you're down, he will bring an angel. If he needs to bring his word to, to encourage you and show you that, listen, what you're facing, I will get you through it. Then he will bring his word and encourage you. If he needs to bring an individual, a person, in the form of Elisha, he will bring somebody to come and say, listen, my brother, my sister, it is well. Don't worry what you're going through. Come, I will support you. I will take you through. It's not a problem. He will bring whoever he needs to bring to encourage you in your situation. Because this is the God that we serve. Amen. Time, as I said before, is not an issue for God. Remember, we live in the time realm. God is outside of time. He chooses to come into time because that's how he made things in this world. But time is not an issue for God. And at times, we allow, in fact, in fact times, God allows our situation to prolong on purpose at times. He will allow a situation that we are in to go on for a period of time. Because just out of his own, whatever, I can't, can't really say why, but he knows why. But then God will step in. And the Bible says in that same portion of scripture in relation to Elijah, that there were many situations where God came suddenly and ministered. You remember the story about the woman with the issue of blood? I mentioned this before. For 12 years, she was bleeding continuously, not no from time to time. This was continuous bleeding every day, 24 hours a day for 12 years. Just one day, let someone go through that. And how, how would you just be managing living? Just doing stuff, sitting down, going to the toilet, all those kind of things. One day, that would be a hassle. But for 12 years, the Bible said this woman was going through this thing. And then suddenly, what happened? Jesus was in the facility where she was. Her faith was so strong, she didn't even need to even go and speak with him. The Bible said that he just, she just touched the hem of his garment, and she received healing because of her faith. Lazarus, we know, in the Bible, was dead for four days. Four days he was dead. His body dead already um, 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 put the body, wrapped the body, etc., put the body in a tomb. And the Bible says that Lazarus was even a friend, he was a close friend of Jesus. And the interesting thing was that people that were connected to Lazarus at the time, they would say to Jesus, your friend is, 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 is not well. He's dying. You need to go to Lazarus and, 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 and check on him. And Jesus said, no, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll come to that. And lo and behold, he died. And obviously when he died, everybody thought, that's it. He's, you know, he's gone. Everybody was in mourning. But Jesus knew because his timing is not our timing. God's timing is not our own timing. And when he was ready, he went to where Lazarus was. He told them, where is he? Show me where the body is. They directed him to where Lazarus was. They even began to laugh at him, saying, okay, he's dead. What are you trying to do? And he said to them, hey, don't worry, he's just sleeping. That's what he said. Then as we know, he went there. He opened up the tomb. 
He called Lazarus, come out. Lazarus that had been dead for four days. His body was, was, was rotting. Any hot country where there's a, a, a body there, you know how it is. Within, within days of, of a body that's passed in a hot country, that body is not going to be in any good condition at all. There's no embalming or whatever that was taking place, I'm sure. He called the dead body. I was thinking, are you crazy? Four days that you're, you're coming to be calling. He called him. What happened? Lazarus got up, removed the covering that was on him. Everybody was in total disbelief because of this miracle. This is an example. God doesn't work by our timing. Things that were dead or things that have been dead in your life, as you allow the Lord to, to bring or shine his light on your situation, he will bring life into your situation. For many of us, there are, there are things that we're facing where we believe that it's, it's, it's finished. In your mind, you've convinced yourself that I can't go back. It's like Lazarus. In your mind, you're thinking it's, like it's a Lazarus situation, but you don't have the faith that Lazarus can come back to life. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is saying to all of you in that situation, do not doubt him. He's saying to you, do not doubt me. In the same way that I said to Lazarus, get up and walk and come alive. It's the same way that Jesus is saying to you in your situation. Get up and walk. And let that, whatever that situation is, it will come alive. If you trust him. If you look to him. See, the easy thing is to just look at your situation. Look at the difficulty. And then just try in your head to figure out how am I going to get around this thing. Because that's what we do. We just focus on the thing and say, wow, okay, how this one, I, I, I don't even know. Because you're just focusing on that thing. But as I said before, Jesus is standing there like, my friend, I'm here. Yes, we know that that's taking place. But don't focus on that. Focus on me. Because he is what? The way, the truth, and the life. He's the one that's going to take you to victory in that situation so that all glory comes to him. But if your focus is on that thing, you will end up trying to navigate and work out that thing by yourself. But I want to encourage you, look to him in every situation that you are facing. Listen, I'm saying this to myself because I struggle with that same look into the situation. Because sometimes naturally I'm somebody that I, I want to figure things out. And God has to remind me, tap me on the shoulder and say, listen, I'm here. Stop looking and focusing on that thing. Look to me and let's now work together. As I show you my word, I will show you how this situation will be done for my glory. Sometimes, see, God, the way God works, he gives us information in part. We will never know the full story of any situation until we stand before God and we're in his presence and he tells us. So sometimes he may show you a part of, of the situation that you're facing. But it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. It doesn't need to make sense to you. All you need to do is put your trust in him. All you need to know is that as you look to him and as you give any and every situation to him, he will take you free. He will cause you to receive the victory. Let's not be one of these people that we need to know the detail. You know, one of my friends has been going through an ongoing 
challenge, ongoing challenge in, in, in his life. And he's somebody that always wants to know the detail. He wants to kind of work out, okay, this happened because of this situation. And that situation was as, as a result of this, etc. And I said, it doesn't work like that. You can't be trying to calculate how things work out. Because God in his wisdom, he knows the beginning from the end. That's why the Bible says he's the Alpha and the Omega. The detail, you have to leave it to God. If that's your thing, that you want to know the detail, then you will just frustrate yourself in this life. Certain things leave to him. But I encourage you, trust him. Look to him. Don't worry about the details, but believe that as you go through whatever you're going through, you will be walking in victory because the focus is on the Lord and not yourself. Amen? Amen. I think my time is coming to an end. I want us to pray. We spent a bit of time on Friday in half a night prayer. We were praying into people who have been battling with this weariness, spiritual weariness, spiritual heaviness, where, where there's like an, an emotional weight that's on you, that's stopping you from praying, stopping you from even hearing when God speaks. And stopping you from allowing the Lord really to intervene in the situation that you're facing. I feel for, for a few of us, we're in that position where there's this spiritual tiredness upon us. Praying has become a real difficulty. As I said, the focus has more been on just trying to address your situation as opposed to involving God. And if that's you, I just want to pray with you right now because I feel that that is... Quite a few of us have been going through that thing. Even young ones, you guys with your exams coming up, there's been a mental stress uh, and, and a pressure there that the Lord wants to just release you from and allow you to focus on him. So right now, just all of us, just raise your hand. Even if that's not you, I'm sure you know people that may be in that category. Just raise your hands right now. And I want to pray for the Lord to release a restoration upon us, to give us a new strength to serve him and use strength to pray and to seek his face. So, Father, you see our hands raised. And I pray, Heavenly Father, the Lord, that you will touch each and every one of your children at this time. Father, where there's been spiritual tiredness, where there's been spiritual heaviness, where we have been worried and concerned about the things we have been facing. And, Lord, where, oh God, you know that these things have caused us not to spend time with you or where there's been a battle to seek you in prayer. Lord, I pray that right now, that Lord, that you will touch each and every individual, that you will give us a new desire to seek you. I pray, oh God, that Lord, that you will cause us to receive renewed strength to pray, renewed strength to spend time in your word, renewed strength to apply faith to the things that we are facing, renewed strength, oh God, to walk in victory. I speak it upon each one. And I curse every spirit of fear that different ones have been facing. I curse every spirit, oh God, where the enemy has brought concern and worry and doubt. Where there has been stress, oh God, in the lives of your people, I break his hold right now. And I pray that each and every one, oh God, as they focus on you, that Lord, that you will renew their strength. That they will mount up with wings as eagles. That they will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. That, Lord, you will restore the strength of each one to live and to honor you. So, Father, we give you thanks 
and we give you praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.